The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome back to the Utah Symphony, Utah Opera's Ghostlight Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look at the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm Carol Anderson. And I'm Jeff Counts. We're joined today by Maestro Carlos Miguel Prieto, guest conductor this week as we record with Utah Symphony. Welcome, Maestro. Thank you for having me here. It's lovely to have you. We're so glad to have you back in Utah. You just recently appeared with the Utah Symphony in September with the Celebración Sinfónica for Hispanic Heritage Month. Tell me about that event. The, the program uh, was successful. I think it was uh, a nice combination of, uh, let's say, serious classical music from some of the Latin American countries uh, combined with some uh, not less serious. And it, it uh, made an impression. It, it seemed to resonate this idea of doing uh, something from Venezuela, something from Brazil, Argentina, Cuba, Mexico, Colombia, etc. Maestro, I think you're understating it. I heard there was dancing going on in the yes, hall during yeah. the show. Well, I mean, that, that's to me, that is uh, something that if it wouldn't have happened, it, the concert would not have been successful because the end was these mambos and there was also a cumbia that's kind of the national, the national dance and the national song of Colombia. And I, I'm kind of incite people to the fact that if they want to dance, they can dance. And, you know, for me, there is a very um, uh, big connection between music and dancing, uh, so much that some music doesn't make sense without the dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, some of those pieces are so um, rhythmical and are, are normally danced. So there was a, a, a mambo suite, uh, there was uh, cumbia. There was also a Brazilian samba, and those are things that normally are danced. And and when you encourage the audience to dance, and when you connect with the audience, which is something that happened uh, right away, I think uh, it, it it was a it, it was a. A, a, a good a good evening for everyone. Well, do you have some other ideas of things? You know, this is a, a community that's growing in Salt Lake and growing yes. across the country, the Hispanic yes. community. And uh, what are some other thoughts about best ways to com- connect this dance ideas? Well, I mean, resonates? it's it's uh, it's it's interesting question because I, I've had the privilege of touring pretty much all around this continent. As as much as I've toured in in Europe, I think this continent is I, I've many many times Brazil, many times Argentina, pretty much everywhere with very no, few exceptions, only like two or three um, places uh, that I have never been in. And part of what's interesting about touring those places is kind of always doing a. Um, combining the to learn about a country about its traditions about its history but also about its music and you learn so much and it helps with the music making so much uh, I mean, just just to give you an example uh, one one cannot go to colombia uh, if you go to cali and not be completely connected with the world of salsa because it's one of the world's capitals of salsa or to some of the coastal areas and to hear what they do with cumbia and how connected it is to the African um, immigration and also the African drums and all that. So little by little, 
it permeates in the music making how people play drums or how people play the flute or how people play the clarinet, how people play the violin for some traditional pieces of music. And then composers as diverse as Leonard Bernstein, Aaron Copland, uh, Stravinsky, or the Mexican composers, Latin American composers, put that into classical music, but they really are trying to imitate something which if you can experience live the 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 let's say the autochthonous or the real version of it you you can impact the music making in a very nice way and i i i've done so many different ideas and so many different things around this that it's it's hard to me for me to tell you like this 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 but if things that come to mind well, if a Pan-American or a Latin American evening was so successful, well, you could actually do something very interesting around just the world of African drums, just as an example, okay? If you, if you center on that and do some music of uh, Cuba, some music of Brazil, some music of the coast of Mexico, some music of uh, Colombia, but also some music from the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, some you know, it's so clear in New Orleans, which is a place where I spend a lot of time, Absolutely. but also New York, Chicago, uh, and so it it brings it all together and it makes people. Uh, look at music in a completely different light and um, that's one idea but then there's other ideas which which have to do with concepts you know how people in different places see um, the day of the dead mm -hmm. okay which just passed and is a very important religious uh, religious day in most of, of Latin America and also well in any of the Catholic countries uh, but just the way the Brazilians see that and how they how, how they put music into that. And then you can build a whole con uh, program or a set of programs around a concept like that and look at it from different perspectives, from the uh, perspective of Halloween uh, and, and play spooky music, which is what orchestras in the U.S. do pretty much, mm -hmm. For Halloween, uh, of but they 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 don't really go into the other side of it, which is a very powerful side of it, which is the deeply religious and deeply connected with some mystery of the of that day. Um, and there's a lot of music around that, uh, and you can also connect it to Europe, of course, of course, with Diacide inspired mm -hmm. pieces. And the ideas are so, so there, there, there's many of them. The, the, I think one of the things that we, that that help is to get rid of the concept that the audience wants something that they already know. I think that the audience wants something that they already know partially, and they want to hear something new and different within that experience. I love the idea of not seeing Latin America as one monolithic culture, but a collection of cultures and focusing on yes. each one of them and trying to look at different ways into yes. these sort of thematic ideas. Yes. And I suspect that a lot of the touring that you talked about doing was with your Orchestra of the Americas. I know that you were part of the inception of that group back yep. in 2002. You're the music director now, correct? Yep, correct. What's it been like to work with that group over all these years? Well, they, I think the players come from 25 different yeah, countries, right? Yeah. This year it was 27 countries. Wow. And we toured, it, it's basically in the summer. Uh, but we toured uh, Mexico. And, you know, when you say not to put the Latin America in the same bag, you'd be surprised 
each one of these young musicians, and they're already in fine orchestras. I mean, there's musicians of of, of that orchestra in every orchestra in the U.S., including here. Yeah. Uh, and actually, what's very interesting is that as they tour Mexico, they find out that Mexico is absolutely different in the north, in the south, right. in the center, of every state. I think you know enough about that, but one doesn't know about a place like Colombia or Venezuela you know but Venezuela has is is an incredibly diverse country with music from the coast with music from from uh, Los Llanos which are high grounds and and, and and flatlands the way people dance the way people play how the music that came from Spain uh, changed from a son into a joropo uh, or the Wapango in Mexico. So all these things, as you go into these countries and you have the privilege, let's say, to tour, and especially if the way we do it with the uh, Orchestra of the Americas is, is we really focus on everywhere we go, we have the concert that's for the concert goers, but we also have side to side with, with popular musicians, side to side with uh, youth orchestras, and we go to see how people live popular music. And there's something that is very interesting. And always the musicians from Canada and the US, they always, they always comment on this, how Latin American musicians are connected to the music, not from an academic or from a uh, school perspective, but from a very active perspective that includes that instrument in parties. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Venezuelans or Colombians, clarinetists, they bring their instruments to a party and it only takes two clarinets, one trombone and anybody with a percussion instrument to play salsa in a, in a party. So one of the things we do on tour is this piece that's completely improvised and uh -huh. it's, it's every night is completely different. And, and it goes into different music from different places in the last concert which was in Monterrey it was 47 minutes long while it's supposed to be 10 to 15 <laughs> crazy but but uh, there you see and some of the kids who come up who are in Juilliard or in Colburn some of the great schools they're with their eyes wide open at how somebody who initially doesn't seem to have a very virtuosic uh, nature can play their music with incredible joy, abandon, and liberty. Sure. Which, for me, this is uh, very, very important. M music has to connect deep into a community and also has to connect deep into the roots of the soul of people to make an impact. I mean, when you think about the music that we play all the time, uh, music of Beethoven, music of Mozart, they were always trying to capture religious moments or religious traditions or traditions of popular music with their menuets or the trio, etc. And to take that music out of that concept into the high concept of a conservatory, which I, I of course, respect and adore, but uh, it takes it away from having a an origin with the everyday people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that obsesses me about the world that we do, the world of classical music, opera or, or ballet or anything, is how we connect something that's perceived as being complicated, uh, exclusive, expensive, 
etc. How we connect it to the grassroots so that it becomes essential. Yes. We just had a conversation, Carol and I, about that on another episode of the show, talking about barriers to the concert experience. Yes. It sounds like when you do these tours, the concert is only one part of the experience, yes, not absolutely. just for the community, but also for the orchestra. There's like this mutual saturation where yes. the community influences the people in the orchestra absolutely. and vice versa. I mean, and I have so many anecdotes. I, I, one comes to mind in Jamaica, because w w that's the only orchestra that's ever toured Jamaica, big orchestra. Yeah. And we played Beethoven five in so many different places. And you have to think this is the first time ever people, people hear Beethoven five. And the first place we played it was this big church and it was completely packed. And they hear pa 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 pam and they just burst into huge applause. Immediately. Immediately. That's and, fantastic. And so what do you do? Yeah. You keep on playing and they keep on applauding. And after after a while, the connection with the audience is so direct that people forget even about things that we are always worried about right. being together. Yeah. And, uh, that, and it becomes something about the, the, the audience. And I always, when we got to the last movement after that epic connection between third and fourth, which right. is one of the great moments in classical music, we would always hear the audience stand. And you know why? This is an absolutely non-thought process. It was like, well... Like Hallelujah Chorus or something. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah. Which, which to me was like amazing. And some people were even dancing to that, which uh, that's another thing. There are so many people in Brazil, in Jamaica, Dominican Republic, that include body movement in their playing mm -hmm. and in their listening of music, right. which is uh, very, very special because, again, it, there is something about letting go to the, mu to the music that, that is uh, unique. The human aspect of the touring or the social aspect of the touring is as important as the concert itself. Many, many times the concerts are less memorable the higher social class that they are for mm -hmm. and i don't mean to you sure. know no, no, to no. like pigeonhole anything no, it makes but sense. you know we we will go to a, a place where they sell tickets at 30 40 50 dollars and we already know that when those are four or five dollars or less that it's going to be completely a different experience absolutely uh, because the perception, the social perception in Latin America of classical music is very different to the U.S. People don't have this idea as much, it does exist too, that it's for a uh, socially exclusive e event. It, I mean, there's some, something about a concert or an opera or, or a theater that is unique, which is, I call it the effect of now. Okay, so now... This this concert is happening now, and it's different from yesterday. It's different from uh -huh. tomorrow, and it's completely different from a CD. Okay, which if you play ten times, it's gonna sound the same ten times. Right. Okay, or if you play a movie ten times, you know the the movie of Romeo and Juliet, as good as it is, is never close to a theatrical production. And why is it? Because the theatrical production is something that you're living right there and is unique to that moment. And this is something which classical music 
uh, that we have to take with a vengeance. In other words, to know that if an orchestra plays three times that program, that program every single time has to be like if there was only one or there was the only chance to ever play that piece. That leads you into um, having a very uh, moving performance, but also having a very serious and 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 good rehearsal because you really want to maximize the, the maximize the quality and maximize the freedom of a performance and as you know well some of the freedom of the performance comes from being relaxed about how you've rehearsed a piece and having enough mastery of the piece so that you can have the flexibility of a unique performance it has to be earned absolutely right. if if you are going through the motions or if you are uh you know worried about getting it right maybe getting or or automatic pilot or or with a almost an idea to the audience that you're sight reading this is something that audiences get because audience they don't differentiate or i think that's this is how it should be we there's no reason that a classical music concert should be different from a different theatrical or musical experience. I mean, if we want to have bigger audiences, we have to be able to compete with an audience that uh, that has a, a great experience in a concert of a different nature. So we have to get away from this idea that the orchestra is a... Um, tense museum right. Uh, right. and I, I don't mean to say it's hard for me to explain I don't mean to say that one should not play Haydn, Mozart, Beethoven with the greatest accuracy with the greatest uh, that, that's not that it, it has to do with the with the performance of the moment I've talked about this with some of the artists with whom I've had the privilege of working and who are very well known and I see that as they progress in life, they get more and more obsessive about this idea of having a unique experience in every single concert and having a connection with people at every single concert that can change those people's lives the same time can change your life. I mean, believe me that playing Beethoven Five in Jamaica liberates you to play Beethoven 5 wherever. I mean, whenever I do Beethoven 5, I remember that. And I remember that with such joy that it 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 will probably motivate me forever for Beethoven 5. We're going to press pause right here and come back in two weeks with part two of this amazing discussion with Maestro Prieto. Be sure to subscribe and like us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and follow Utah Symphony on Spotify. I'm Carol Anderson. And I'm Jeff Counts. See you in two weeks. The Ghostlight Podcast is produced and edited by Robert Bedont. Be sure to visit utahsymphony.org and utahopera.org for more information on upcoming performances. If you're not already a seasoned subscriber, click on the tickets button to learn more about the benefits of being a part of our family of music lovers. The Utah Symphony and Utah Opera season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation.